The Westworld TheoryCast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com right now and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. Cufflinks.com is the men's accessory marketplace. They aim to drive men to one place where they can find all the accessories they could want to elevate their look each and every day. Now, we all know that there's a coronavirus going around and we want everyone to be safe and happy. And a lot of things have been canceled. Okay. And a lot of sales that Cufflinks had have been canceled too. NCAA, things like that. But they have now put over 700 items on their sale page to get a great discount while people are planning that next outing with their friends. When this all clears up, and you go out, you're still going to have to look good. So head over to cufflinks.com today. We wish you and your family well. Have a great day. Enjoy the show. It's the Cleanup Text. I'm Tim. I'm Andy. And I'm Gina. Today you have the Cleanup Text coming to close out the week. My name is Gina Giacchetti, and my co-hosts are Tim Hines, a.k.a. Timothy Hinesworth, for Westworld purposes, and Andy Theobald, in some circles known as Ando Calrissian. We are the cleanup techs. We round up the trash, the missed pieces, the things undiscussed, and we might touch upon things we found completely wrong with other podcasts. But we're tidying up the best we can do. So today, we'll be discussing Westworld Season 3, Episode 4, the Mother of Exiles. If you want to find out more about us, you can go to dvrpodcast.com. So, how's everyone doing today? Well, I'm fantastic because we're getting ready to talk about this great episode, The Mother of Exiles, also known as Lady Liberty, the Statue of Liberty, hailing in the harbor, New York Harbor. Not And uh, I got to see her quite often, many times. I used to DJ a cruise that went around her. So I have a little, little like you know, deep connection with the mother of exiles. And this episode was a deep connection, I think, for all of us. Yeah, this uh, this is going to be a lot of fun to talk about. There's a lot of, man, there's a lot of stuff packed into this episode. It took me a couple of viewings to even take it all in. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff in the first 30 seconds of this episode. Yeah. Why don't we face it? Like, my head started exploding very early on. <laughs> I was just like, whoa. Um so overall, how would you rate this episode on a scale of one to 10? I personally gave it a 10 because I just think it's one of the best episodes we've had on Westworld. Probably. I mean, definitely the best episode this season so far. Well, I, uh, see, how do I first put it? I, I, I have done a 180 on this episode for sure. After the first time I saw it, I did not like it really at all. I hated the big reveal of Dolores originally when I first watched it, I was like, wow, i really don't like this. And I, the, uh, that was just my initial thought. Cause I, I thought, man, I don't like her being this powerful and all of a sudden being all about her. And then after, and I was like, I don't know what they're going to do with this. And then after listening to some other podcasts and or listening to the other podcasts on this network, I should say, and rewatching it and realizing some of the interesting directions the story could now go, I changed on it completely. I mean, it's originally was probably around a five, and now I'm saying I'm closer up to an eight. 
I think I liked it a little bit less than you guys, but I still think it is the best episode of the season. And I really ended up liking it a lot. That's excellent. I uh, actually gave it a nine, which for me is, you know, I'm tough on shows, uh, you know, especially shows of this caliber where I feel like they're close to perfection. So like a nine is still better, like than so many other shows. I mean, it's, it's, it's damn near a 10, but, um, that being said, I like this episode because it took a lot of the wild theories, like too many avenues that were open. And I feel like it, it tidied things up, you know, uh, they didn't use the cleanup text, but I think they cleaned up a lot and they are, they now put us in a, a direction to follow. Whereas, you know, before we were all over the place, more so wondering about who's who and who's in what, what body, then, um, you know, now we're, we're going into the story. I think now we're going to like just pile, you know, just really go forward to full steam. You know, I think, I think the writers actually even had a little nod to that in the show. A line I actually laughed at, I didn't catch the first time, but at the beginning when Stubbs and Bernard are in the hotel room and Stubbs, Bernard is explaining what he thinks is happening and Stubb goes, that's your theory, huh? <laughs> I immediately thought of all of us crazy people podcasting about it for hours and hours of week. I just thought, I think that was a fun little nod that I'm guessing is to all the, the uh, theorists out there. Yeah, that actually didn't, didn't pick that up. That was cool. Yeah. So it's interesting kind of to start with them because we, we find out they're going to crash this party or some event and there's a bunch of lead up, but I thought one of the most interesting parts, um, you know, Dolores and Caleb are having their My Fair Lady moment, but in reverse, she's dressing him up like Eliza Doolittle and trying to get him to blend in with the, with the upper crust. But um, the key to blending in, you know, you can't just act your way through it is you need cryptology in your blood. Um, and I thought that was really interesting piece of technology. And, and I don't really recall seeing it, it like seeing this technology in maybe any other show before or the, but I thought it was interesting that you have a crypto key in your blood that can unlock things like your bank account. Because, um, I think it can be a really, this could be a very like controversial part of our future and, and a part that could come to light, especially, you know, we're in the midst of this COVID-19 thing. And I heard on the news the other day that they were just like really talking about, you know, it's going to be a thing moving forward. You know, you're going to go into restaurants and things, say, have you had it? Have you had the vaccine? If, when that's available, and if you haven't had either of those things, they might take your temperature right there on the spot, you know, and those like really grill you. And it's like, well, you know, a really quick and easy way around this would be just to kind of do a crypto key and, you know, somehow they can read it, you know, through your skin and the blood if, if you've had the proper vaccinations. Um, anyway, I just but, thought that was a fascinating well, piece of technology. And on a smaller scale, it could be something that once you're vaccinated, if if they invent a vaccine, you know, maybe shows up on your license. 
Oh. You know, something like that. And, yeah. and that's a small rollout. And, and, you know, that's some people are worried about similar things of building a database like that. So, which would be similar to Rabon, you know, like, but, not, you know, obviously not that scaled up yet, but it could, you know, it's definitely a marker. Yeah. Well, and it's not, I mean, to be honest, it's not that unusual. You know, I, I traveled to Africa several years ago and I had to have certain vaccinations and I, I had a lot of vaccinations and, you know, different things. And I actually had a vaccination passport that I had to show at, to certain countries and then also to get back in this country. Like they won't let you back in this country um, if you've been in a yellow fever area, unless you've had a yellow fever vaccination. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting, but um, you know, it's not unheard of. They, they do this a lot for kind of country to country travel. I bet those restrictions would definitely probably get a lot tighter for sure. Yeah. Um, it's definitely interesting. I mean, it, it's, it's still, you know, up in the air as far as, you know, previously we talked about, and I'm still sticking with it, you know, if it's real or not, this whole world. But <laughs> what really intrigues me about that is that all the hosts have blood, even if it's, you know, fake blood or they have that. So what we saw in Westworld, they get shot, you know, it looks like they bleed. Um, and even when Maeve got stabbed, you just saw a pool of blood. The sword came out, all blood on it. So, you know, the blood is in the hosts that we know of. So it's still, I, I've yet to see a body part in this show. You know, it's, it's every, you know, get shot. The guy gets shot in the head. You don't see brains fly out. You just see the blood in the back of the head, in the, in the hole. You see, you know, so there's still things that, that don't solidify that all these people are, are real people, but the blood does play a key. And even, you know, if this is, say, a scripted or, uh, you know, a made-up uh, simulation, the blood is, you know, that next step. You, you know, that's interesting, and it just got me thinking about something, because if everyone has cryptography in their blood, can someone else's blood literally for 15 minutes override your own cryptography? We know that Dolores has used this Laura Aspen woman's blood to pass. And now Caleb has used this blood to pass. Can you use someone else's blood to pass if you're human? Or That's, is it only if you're a host and you have more neutral blood? That was one of the big questions I had about this is, does this, does this mean that Caleb is more likely to be human because he was able to take that human blood and have it in? Or does it mean he's more likely not human because, yeah, like you said, he had some kind of neutral blood that this other blood would override it? Because I can't, I don't know. It's there's. A, I, I hope they go more into that blood thing because I don't quite get it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, even if it's even if it's not something crypto in there, even if it's a DNA reader, it's you know what I mean. Like it's it's strange, and also like when. Uh, when Caleb put his thumb to take out Liam's money, it didn't like prick him or anything. It just read the skin. So yeah. it is, you know, it, it's weird how, how it works. It, you know, they don't have to give blood to show, to show up on, on certain devices. Yeah. 
And yeah. they obviously injected blood into him. So, or Dolores obviously did. It was red when she pulled it and put it back in. So she obviously put blood into him. So it, yeah, it's very, that's very curious. This whole scene is very curious. A lot going on there in a very short amount of time. Yeah. So, so who wants to talk about kind of the account stuff and. Well, yeah, I kind of yeah. nerded out about that. I, I, You're the numbers guy, Tim. So. I, yeah, <laughs> I paused it and these screens are much harder to read than the previous seasons on the tripads and stuff. But I went, I paused it, went real close to the TV and apparently Liam Dempsey Jr.'s net worth is $53,750,150,000,000. Which is just, I mean, an astronomical number. It's like, it's crazy. So, I mean, I know, you know, it's it's in the future and, you know, money Inflation. money is, is probably inflated, right? But he's supposed to be like one of the wealthiest people. I mean, that's a lot of money. You know, I don't know yeah. if that was all that I was all liquid that they were able to take. Um, but it's, it's, you know, still big holdings. Dang. Yeah. But they, they got him. <laughs> they took him for it. And it's, it's yeah. it, and it's crazy how it all came together at, you know, from Dolores's plan that Liam would find out there, um, you know, then, you know, the whole chain of events, like how she, you know, would, uh, have everybody else show up with, with um, I keep forgetting the Martin, have Martin come down. And I think Bernard and, and, uh, Stubbs were like a, you know, kink in the chain. They were expecting it, but not at that time. So it it was that part. I feel like was well planned, and there was so many moving parts at that party. Mm, yeah. You know, I had a couple. Th I think I actually put them on the wrong part of the notes. I'm just looking now. I had a couple things about that same party thing too. When you're talking about Martin there, when he says to he says about Stubb and Bernard, or Stubb and. Stubbs and Bernard that our friends arrived earlier than anticipated. And he also knew to take the clicker out of Bernard's pocket without finding it. I mean, is this all part of Dolores' plan? Does she somehow know what's going to happen? Well, how, how would he know those things? I mean, so, I mean, people have often kind of said, Oh, Dolores is like 10 steps ahead of everyone else. Even though then they also say, Oh, she's like missing this and that and the other yeah. thing. I mean, it's it's hard to tell. She she is obviously kind of tapped into kind of technology and systems, whether it's you know car services or you know something that has to do with Rohoboam and understanding what moves people are going to make next. But um, yeah, I mean, she she has some type of knowledge, uh, advanced knowledge for sure already that's happening. Well, um, you I guess. A matter of how she has it, we're not sure. Right. So combine that with like what Sirac was leading to that he was trying to basically create, uh, I think I wrote the exact quote down, um, the most comp he was trying to build the most comprehensive picture of human behavior ever seen. So, you know, couple that with that, like if he's doing that, you know, and everything's pre-planned according to what we learned earlier that, you know, Rohoboam's putting people in these algorithms basically to to follow and make their lives. 
you know, quote unquote better, um, Dolores should be able to see that too if she tapped in somehow. Well, and, you know, also I think it was more about um, Bernard and Stubbs showing up and we know that they're not human behavior. So, I mean, she could still kind of theoretically, you know, she's she's got some type of control over Bernard, whether she's acting upon it, she might still be watching him and his and, moves. Uh, I suppose maybe she's just watching him. Because, I mean, how would she even know Stubbs is there? Right. Well, unless, uh, you know, what do they call it? Well, divergence in the system? I don't yeah. also track divergence. Well, actually, yeah, the, the divergence in this episode was the scene right before they show Stubb and Ber- Stubbs and Bernard. Yes, yeah. Or it's and, a Victorville or wherever it was. Uh, yeah. Victorville, California, yep. Which is kind of another, like, weird scene with the the spaceships going up and down and, it, like, being no big deal. So, you know, that was that was another very, like, peculiar thing that now adds another level. Like, I know Axel was freaking <laughs> out because he likes space stuff, but, like, I'd personally not like to see that because that now muddies the water so much more well yes it does and we'll get to that later because i was like on my second or third watch i'm like huh what mm-hmm. xyz and yeah. we'll get to it but um <laughs> um so let's talk a little bit about like mave Sirak and the yakuza which but i personally bef- oh, go ahead sorry bef- before we go there though i want to bring up another thing about the party so but you you know and he just mentioned about the trigger that that uh, Martin took out of Bernard's pocket. But when Bernard went to use the trigger, he pushes the button and it didn't work on Liam because he, he said, oh, enter diagnostic mode. Now, how would he be able to program that tailored to Liam without having known him and knowing what kind of, say, host features he would have? And why would it, you know, if, if it's not, all right, say it was just tailored to Liam, I'm wondering how, but if it wasn't, at a minimum, Stubbs should have should have went to diagnostic mode. He was right next to him. And no, I don't know how, why that thing casts, but the other host should have responded to that. Right. Martin and yep. Dolores, technically, should have responded. Yeah. So that was, a, that was kind of, I don't know if it was, you know, just something to look over or I, I just want to know, uh, you know, like how that, t- that would have worked and not knocked everybody else out. Cause we saw the other buttons that people used knock out, you know, recording devices, uh, knock out the, or enhance the sound. in that one scene, um, w- during the, uh, Rico run. So it, it I mean, seemed like the only, thing, net- the only thing I can think of, at least regarding to the hosts would be that maybe it has to be, a direct line of sight to that host or something like you're pointing it like a remote control at the device you want to use. That's the only thing I could think of. Cause I mean, unless there's more stuff we haven't learned about that. Yeah. I thought that was very strange as well that it didn't affect stubs. Yeah. I mean, it could be a throwaway thing, but you know, it's probably something not really that much that important to get hung up on. Like I've got hung up on a couple of things this episode that I've gotten yeah. over, but uh... with, it, with this show, you never can be too careful. <laughs> That's it. So, I mean, the, the, you know, the party that w- was, I mean, I think that's pretty much most of the important stuff from the party that I, that I, at least I drew. Yeah. 
No, I think you know. I, I actually thought of one other thing that I wanted to ask Tim a question about this because I don't think I've ever heard you talk about. I don't remember you talking about it at all with Axel. What do you think? I know they used a pop song in that montage there. What do you, since you're a music guy, what do you think about them like repurposing pop songs into the soundtrack? I think it's awesome. I love. I actually like this better than the original song that the weekend or whoever it was that sang it. Do yeah. you like that or do you not like that? How they do that? I love it. Well, I mean. Hearing it in the old style piano in the in uh yeah uh, what I forget what the name of that that piano is that reads off that that scroll type thing yeah, play, player piano maybe yeah when you and and you hear I think you know I Depeche Mode in one episode I think that's fantastic uh, Nirvana yep. it brings us it feels I feel like it's coded because the songs all have deep meaning into the episode but it's also like soothing because we know the melodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it too. I was just curious. To, like I said, since uh, since you're a DJ, I was just, I just mm-hmm. I, that's something I'd always wanted to ask you if, what you thought about that. Not really related to theories, but just the show in general. But no, nah, it's cool. I love that part. Imagine if you could listen to a podcast where James Delos tells you why he bought Westworld. Well, James Delos isn't real, but Christopher Slough of Reddit, Brandon Hillcart of Bark, and Cortland Allen of Indie Hackers are. And so is Code Story. Code Story is a podcast interviewing the tech visionaries about their journeys building products from nothing to something amazing. Code Story is a podcast interviewing the tech visionaries about their journeys. Like How I Built This with Guy Raz, this is the same type of podcast, but bend towards those in the tech world. In the show, host Noah Labhart digs into the critical details about what it takes to change an industry, how the tech visionary got started building their world-changing product, what sort of trade-offs they had to make in the beginning, and how they coped with them. Our tech leaders are not only brilliant builders, they're humans, and they have a human story to tell. Hey, I've listened to the podcast, and it's awesome. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're into tech. And if you want to hear the real human stories behind that tech, Code Story is the podcast for you. Subscribe to Code Story now on every major podcast platform. Code Story, the future is now. Okay. Um, so should we move on to Maeve and Sirac and the Yakuza? Yeah, I think this is, uh, to me, this is one of the most fun scenes in the whole episode. So, I mean, and it's kind of like, we'll kind of talk about Maeve's whole arc in it, but something, and I know this is going to be the running theme. It's like a simulation within a simulation and a simulation. But so we see this scene at the very beginning where Bernard is, it's Bernard and Dolores. And he's like, well, Arnold's house was never finished, even though he and Dolores are in the house. And then later Maeve and Ciroc are there, which kind of leads me to think, okay, there's still some type of simulation or some type of false world happening um, here. If that house really was never finished, but and, then also, oh, go ahead. And and just to add, it, we also learned that it was in Singapore. Yes. Well, we think it's in Singapore. Well, right. What he says that you know that they're in Singapore. Yeah. You know, she's later walking around, you know, the town and everything. So that was that was wild. Um, just, and even the, this him bringing her there, like that made it feel more like another simulation. And he's like, no, it's real, but you know, you never know. I know. Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell with that guy. And he's definitely kind of a shady villain, 
Um, it was cool to get the explanation, though, of him knowing about the divergences. So he knew that it was picking something up and he knew that something was going down. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't enough that it was like maybe just made because we know that, you know, she's, she was able to control the hosts in Westworld and certain technology. And it seems like she can control certain technology in this plane, whatever she's in, whether it's a simulation or, or real, but you know, I'm just kind of, I don't know, like, why would she be able to control all the tech in the real world? Like, the code isn't necessarily the same. She was really only able to kind of control Westworld happenings when she was there or things in the park, things that were park coded. I can't remember. Could she ever, could she ever control things like, like the, not electronic things that weren't the hosts in Westworld? Um. Streetlights, or I don't know, not streetlights, but I, I mean, I know there's not a lot of electronic stuff, but I don't remember her ever trying to think. I guess there isn't really a lot of robot stuff in Westworld besides the robots or electronic stuff. But well, the tripods, like then she could have been, I mean, yeah, essentially doing that through her mind, the way she controlled all the other machines. Yeah, I mean, unless they have some kind of blocker, you know, there was just like Sirox said, like he put a you know a shut off button in her. The, and know, I guess there was there was plenty of electronics when she was in the the meat locker. I mean, for lack of a better word, the where the text work. Yeah, I don't remember her ever using her any mind stuff like that when she was there. But yeah. and now she can do all that, like re-aim the guns and all that kind of stuff. It's it it's seemed off to me as well. She can, and she did hear. You know how you'd always kind of hear that whispering, and that was kind of when yeah. she took control of a <clears throat> take control of a host. So mm-hmm. she heard that this time, and then we have um, Mushashi, Musashi come in, and you hear that whispering. And mm-hmm. so here's what's interesting. She, the technology against the humans, like turn their guns on them, whatever, she did not choose to use her power over him. Yeah, and, nothing. Yep. Yeah, and or she didn't try i don't know it's something is definitely not like i don't think the whole thing could have taken her that much by surprise really but something just feels off for sure at first though when he when he came out of that his little room there it looked almost like a faraday cage so, a little bit. so maybe at yeah. first she couldn't read him but she heard what how is she able to hear the others like if they were human she wouldn't have been able to hear their voices like that, like the way it was whispering. It would have been, would you know, unless it was like fine-tuned microphone or something that, you know, that she picks up their sound. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. She can't hear humans, but she can hear her host and she heard a host, but then she didn't use her power over the host. And I think that's what seems odd. Like she could have, when they were fighting, she could have totally frozen that host. Right. She- yeah, it's interesting. We uh, there's going to be a lot more that that we're going to yeah. find out. Like Sarak, you know, could have totally like because he he's the one that brought her back. So you don't know what kind of like different tech he added or you know like changed, altered. Yeah. In the programming. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to think. Let's see. Because um, we've kind of got two threads going with Maeve. One is Sirak and, and one is... Um, but, you know, they, t- 
they, there, yeah. they tie together because it's like Ciroc's plan for her to go there. So, you know, it's definitely, uh, I feel like it's like it belongs together, you know, in, the, in, in talking about it. Because there was some, some good quotes that Ciroc said to her that are like, you know, mm-hmm. again, again, more questioning the world. Yeah. Well, and Ciroc said, you know, humanity's biggest threat has always been itself. And that's kind of his argument for Maeve to take down Dolores. But at the same time, Dolores isn't human. So how does this, you know, his fear is not humanity at this point. It is Dolores, which is technology, you know, who's technology. So I just thought that's a really kind of interesting twist. I mean, I don't think Maeve is going to fall for any of his his BS at the end of the day. I think she's going to get wise to it and, and carve out her own path or end up joining Dolores in the end, which still might not be this season, but I do think they're going to have to join forces in some way at some point. I, st- I still think she she already knows he's full of BS. I think yeah. she just knows that since he has that little button and can, can control her, I think she's just playing along for now. Yeah. And, and they conveniently, at the end... You know, he wasn't able to cut her ball out. Um, no pun intended. Um, but, um, you know, and and that which leaves it for Sirach to pick up and re- recreate either another body or fix her. Yeah. Yeah. In some way, Maeve didn't luck out there. It probably would have been better if Dolores had been able to take her, her pearl with her. That's if she's telling the truth of wanting to build a world for them. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's still, you know, we'll, we'll touch on it later, I'm sure. But I think, yeah. you know, I'm not sure if Dolores is the hero here or, or the villain. Yeah. Um, so what else here, guys? I see a couple other notes that, that you guys wrote in. So well, I'll let you. Well, one of the things like, uh, so, uh, back at, at the distillery, now, you know, I like when the songs come on, you try to figure out what the songs are. When I see weird words, I, I try to look them up. So I looked up the name of the distillery. Now, Etia Doshin Distillery, I don't, I'm sure I said that wrong, but that's what it said on the outside. So I looked it up, and it's a Buddhist phrase, and it means man in body, one in mind, which is like crazy if you think about what we learned right after she goes in there. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of crazy. And, I mean, nothing's an accident in this show, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. and, and then you get the, the, the part when she realizes, it's, realizes that it's Dolores. Uh, and because she asks, you know, he, uh, he asks her, you know, did you really give them the choice? But she knows that she opened, woke them up and made them all conscious as they walk through. And they were all like, whoa. And then, you know, into the um, Valley Beyond or whatever it, it was called. I forget what, you know, what they called. Yeah. And yeah. it was, he, she like, it, it flipped on her. And Dolores technically isn't giving anyone else choices. So it's like, you're putting that on Maeve. Everybody's trying to like put Maeve with this guilt. Either you're going to be able to see your daughter in when, when we recreate the world or, you know, Ciroc's promising to put her with the daughter somehow, maybe in some kind of simulation or back in that, you know, in that land, however he tried to promise her. And like, 
everything that they're offering her seems to be based on like guilt. And I don't think Maeve is going to fall for that. Well, I also think in some ways, if you think of it, maybe it's almost more like a test for Maeve too, because her, her goals have been very, I don't want to say small, but a lot of her action has been driven by the sentimentality she has towards her daughter that she had in this previous life as a host. Um, you know, even as initially she was leaving the park to get out and that sentimentality drew her back. And so her motives to be an independent sentient being seem fairly small and basic. Personal, I would say. Very personal and very just kind of insular, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. this is, this seems to be her, her core goal in life. But I think both Ciroc and in a way Dolores are testing her to see, doesn't she want more? Like she can have her daughter, but she could have a lot more too. And what would that look like? And I, I don't know if that's really something that Maeve has thought about. So I actually think it's good that they're trying to kind of guilt her into almost a different level of higher consciousness, right? Like I think Sirak is thinking that she is very simple. Her mind is not that complicated and he could get her to do her bidding. At the same time, I don't think Dolores feels that way about her. I think Dolores knows the power she has and is pushing her towards something else. Um, anyway, I, that's just kind of a way to look at it, perhaps. That's interesting. I, I like the way you put that. That's I, I kind of had those thoughts, but not that uh, precise and concisely thought out. I like the way you put that. Yeah, that was excellent. I agree. Now, you know, uh, I, you know, we didn't have it in the notes here, but I, I want to give you props because, you know, when we were talking earlier in the week, we were talking, you know, like, whoa, the Yakuza, I can't believe it. Like, they're, like, hardcore. And you brought up a, a funny thing. You said there hasn't been a, a woman running the Yakuza since uh, Lucy Liu and Kill Bill. And I thought <laughs> yes. that was just hilarious to point out because, like, it is true. Like, like technically, it's a woman in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, I, the form of a woman because it's still a machine. So, I mean, we're kind of... Put yeah. gender on a machine just because we see it in that skin but uh, like, yeah it's it just it's no it, it was wild just to use the yakuza like in general was a cool idea because it added that action flavor and that suspense and then and then to learn like what she what i guess you know uh it was Sato, right? The the so Sato Loris, like what what they were doing there was filled with all those canisters, filled with that the white stuff that can create the the hosts. So like it seems like there's a bigger plan there, um, and it kind of got it might have been foiled, and now Sarak's gonna catch on to that when it comes to collect Mave. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a lot of that milk fluid. Like what? Like how? How? You know. How yeah. many were they building? Like, is that was that all the yakuza guys? Like, because even when yeah. she had um, the uh, was not the cremator. What was her, her name? The mortician. She said. She said. Um, they're, yeah, they're they're even more ruthless now. Interesting. Well, but you uh. know, remember that Sarak sent her there, so he might already know. Yeah. And, you know, if the, all the Yakuza was 
uh, robots or hosts, you would think that she would be able, maybe would have been able to do her little hand wave thing, mm-hmm. her Jedi mind trick on them. Yeah, versus she would have picked, she would have picked that up right away. I think if they were hosts, maybe not though. I mean, you know, it could be also different programming, different tech, like you know. But we saw her get into maybe simple, simple machines like the the gun and maybe TVs and stuff. We never saw her control big things like Dolores controlling the those bikes and the car. Yeah. So, you know, she might not be on that level yet. And maybe what Gina said before about her having to, I guess, wake up even more or you know, I guess gain a, a more knowledge or ways to control the world because she wasn't really controlling the stuff she was walking by. It was just kind of like wigging out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just kind of flickering. Like feedback. Um, yeah, a divergence. There, there was one other kind of interesting note I picked up. I don't think it has anything to do with the story. I just thought it was kind of interesting. I didn't pick it up until I watched with the captions on, but the mortician and her guards may have spoke. That was, they were Chinese and talked to them all in Chinese. And then they get to the Yakuza and it's all in Japanese. I thought that was... Interesting too that she knows both Chinese and Japanese as well. I mean, we knew that she knew Japanese, but how, how would she know Chinese too? It's interesting. Yeah. In the in the captions, it says speaking Chinese to the to the bodyguards outside of the oh. outside of the uh, the um, mortician's office there when she ha- has the guy's gun down his pants and I don't know. I, th- I thought it was an inter- I don't think it means anything, but I just thought it was. And you said they were in where Singapore? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what. That's what it's, Ciroc says. It, know, yeah, it's it seems like it's a weird mishmash of different cultures altogether. So yeah, but it, it, we did learn that you know Paris got nuked, so the world could have changed. You know, it it, it could be more of a, a yeah. global system than you know, yeah, just countries. I mean, we don't you you know, it could be anything like China absorbed Japan. Uh, you know, just yeah, and that's I mean that's kind of like a lot of futuristic Blade Runner was that way and all kinds of things where the cultures are a lot more mixed together than they are are now. So I didn't really read too much into it. I just thought it was an interesting note. Uh, yeah. De- definitely. Yeah. No. Um it is interesting. I feel like I remember maybe in season 1 hearing Maeve as the madam um, speaking in different languages in the saloon, just because, and that would make sense, right? These different guests, yeah, that would totally make around, sense. Everyone around the world goes to the whorehouse, right? Yeah, so yeah exactly. She needs to be able to do business in all sorts of languages. Yeah, and with this technology, like programming language seems something that would be very simple. Like you give like all the yeah. Rosetta Stones, put yeah. them in the in the drive, and you're good. Yeah. yeah. Take a little break from this show to remind you again of our amazing presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. They've been with us for over a year, and we're so proud to have them. So go out and support them. If you're a listener to any of our podcasts, take a moment right now, type in Cufflinks.com slash DVR into that old web browser, and you will arrive, and you will be amazed, happy surprised at the amazing products that cufflinks.com has. You might think to yourself, hey, I don't have an informal event coming up. You know, I'm not into cufflinks. But guess what? They have a lot more than that. Actually, I'm wearing a pair of Star Wars socks that they sent me. Cufflinks.com is where it's at. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Hey, everybody, I've got an exciting announcement. Our very own Heath Santazo, a.k.a. Heath Solo, who you know is a great actor, 
has been writing a screenplay and is now producing his first feature film, The Star City Murders. A team of detectives are tracking down a serial killer, but his methods are like nothing law enforcement has ever seen. It's a race against time before more victims are claimed. The Star City Murders. You can be a big part of this project and become a backer. Just go to cefilms.com for all the information on the film and how to donate, or go to kickstarter.com and search The Star City Murders. And also, if you look in the show notes or at dvrpodcast.com, all the links are there for you. There are many great rewards for donating, including a tier where you get an exclusive behind-the-scene podcast hosted by me, Axel Foley. That's right. Let's help get Solo make this movie, all right? Go out there and donate $5, $10, whatever you can give. Let's make sure that Solo gets this done. And also, all the Patreon funds coming to DVR Podcast are going to this Kickstarter because we believe in Solo. This is going to be an awesome movie, and we want to be a part of it. So head on over to CE Films today. The Star City Murders, baby. Let's find the killer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so should we talk about the big reveal and kind of the huge tell that led up to it? And I can't, I was watching Charlotte shave William and I was like, gosh, I, I believe that Dolores did this for him in, in season one. And that had to be the hugest tell because then we find out that Dolores is not only Charbot, but she's Martin and she's Masashi. And so it was just like, okay, now we know who, you know, all those pearls are, or at least three of them. I don't know. That blew my mind. I was just like, I'm your oldest, you know, I'm your oldest friend. And then to Bernard, I'm your only friend. And then Uh Dave is the only one that really figures it out without her having to say anything. She's like, Oh my gosh, they're all you. Like, damn girl, you're pretty good. Like both Maeve and Dolores. That, that was, that was a really brilliant stroke of genius. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I think it was the tell was the the choice thing, that question. Like she she knows she's you know, are you Teddy? And then boom, all of a sudden, wait, you'd really put yourself in all these bodies? Like like she figured it out. So maybe they you know, she was kinda in Dolores' head at that moment. We just didn't hear the little voices or how they, you know, interlink. Cause they, you know, they always could kind of communicate with each other in the park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just very, very interesting. Um, the way they, they kind of just like dropped it on us, but they sprinkled it all over the place. I, th- I think yeah. it also helped the effectiveness, just the way they edited it together, where it was like a triple reveal. It was almost like Inception or something, where they reveal everything all at the same time in the, all the different storylines. It was cut together really cool. I think that helped. Yeah. Well, and then rewatching it, I tried to pay a lot of attention to the language that the hosts were using. Like, you know, Martin, when he's communicating with Dolores, is like, your ex is here. Your, yeah. you know, found out that you just drained as a cat. Her friends showed up early. Um, but then when 
he's talking to Bernard directly. He says, we were wondering when you'd show up. So there definitely is like an individual. Yeah, there's some splitting off for sure. But then they're still kind of working together as an organism. It's it's so it's so strange and it's very interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. And I think someone on one of the the earlier pods kind of thought, oh, maybe all these you know kind of Dolores hosts will end up you know rebelling or revolting against her. And I, I mean, it's possible, but I don't know. What do you what do you guys think of that idea? Well, that. Uh... That was one of I know that was one of Brett's theories, and that's I even messaged I messaged Brett Brett late last week and said if I was ever on a podcast with him, it would either be five minutes because we would agree on everything, or it would be five hours because we would feed off of each other. I think I sent that same thing to you guys, the or something similar. Um, I I do think there is going to be a a host revolution against Dolores. Brett's explanation went way 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 longer, but mine is going to be very simple. I think I think it will because right now they're working together because. We know about Dolores is that she always, I mean, the thing she is best at is outsmarting people, scheming, planning, all of that. She is doing that. All, every one of her models that we know of right now is doing that. So they're all excelling and they're all fine with it. But what's going to happen when that is done? Well, the other Doloreses are not going to want to live in the shadow of Dolores Prime or original Dolores or whatever we're going to, they're going to go after her or they're going to try and take each other out. I, I, I don't see it ending any other way. I can't see them all. I can't see five Dolores is all living together in harmony. They're well, too much alike. And I would see, I could also see like the prime, like prime Dolores not taking, you know, taking them away at one point. Like, you know, she, she's yeah. going to come to a point where, all right, you know, she's using them. So yeah, you've served my purpose and I'm done yeah. with you. I, I really, I think one of the two is going to happen. I think Brett is right on the money with that. They might not be full Dolores. You know what I'm saying? Like she might, just give them enough to to do what she says because mm-hmm. even hell like the you know hell in the in the beginning when she was coming online was confused and then not acting like herself then she was all nervous and you know maybe she had to calm her her emotions well, she down. even she even said to original or prime that why do you get to be you why do I have to be in this body so I mean they're gonna have those they're going to be mad. I mean, they're not going to be who they are. She was, I, yeah, she was mad. She wasn't calling her back at the one point. Yeah. Well, and it could also be when you think of it, the host in Charlotte, that's the only other woman that the host is in. So maybe it's different for the men, you know, and she, she could have programmed each of them differently as well. And, um, I don't know. She might have just chosen to put more of herself in in Charlotte, particularly since she'd have to interact with William and the board. I don't know. I mean, I I do think there's going to be strife. I don't necessarily know that there's going to be like a, a total destruction because Dolores can still reprogram them as well. Um, at least at that point. And Charlotte has access to those. Uh- those uh crazy killer machines oh you're right <laughs> yeah, the riot, yeah riot bots so, you know and and it, it sort of seems like you know they don't know like she could co- compartmentalize certain information like she had to tell 
you know, uh, prime Dolores about the takeover and things like that. And, and you'd think if it was all network Dolores, she would be able to just know everything that each one of them are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's, you know, it's kind of like Voldemort and his Horcruxes, although mm-hmm. half as many. Uh, I hadn't made that connection until I saw you write that in the notes. I'm like, yeah, it actually is very similar. <laughs> kind of making sure you survive by putting more of yourself out there, which yeah. could also be a plan of hers too. You know, she's got to realize she's a target of others, not just potentially of these replicas of herself or, you know, kind of soul yeah. replicas of herself. Yeah, and children and having yeah. children has been a major theme anyway of the social already. It would make sense that yeah. it is here too. Yeah, there might be a failover. Like if she gets taken out, then maybe you know Sharbot takes over the plan. Who knows? Um, I mean, the possibilities are, are endless. Um, one thing I want to bring up is when Bernard and Caleb first interact. Bernard says to Caleb, "You're you're one of us," and Caleb's like, "What?" And so, I mean, we've always kind of like big question mark, is Caleb really human? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not. Um, I loved how Caleb later says, I'm with her, which is like the <laughs> campaign slogan. Um, and the only reason I bring that up is because, I don't know if you remember this, but I feel like week after the election, um, I believe it was this long ago now is when the episode aired where Bernard killed Teresa. And I was something like, Oh, here we see it. You know, something that's not human killing a powerful woman. (laughs) Um, But um, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of interesting. And I'm sure that's going to be like a big focal point. We'll get more into Caleb and kind of what his real past is. We've just gotten fragments of it, but I think we'll find out what his deal is in, in the next episode or two. Mm-hmm. I, I think so too. Well, there's only four episodes left, so we've got to find out soon. Right. I know. It's <laughs> season. Um, and then, you know, I think it's clear Dolores is the mother of exiles and we've got these kind of three hosts that have her share her pearl or a pearl that's a replica of her. But I also think it's like she represents more than just a mother of these kind of random hosts. I think she can represent like, I feel like Williams in exile. Um, Liam is in some ways in exile himself because he's, you know, he plays this role, but it, it seems like he's never really felt he's fit. William kind of has always had struggles, internal struggles with his sense of self. And I don't know, I think it's, it's kind of a more interesting question that the title of this, episode raises just you know she's i feel like she's trying to represent more than just the host but you know kind of people that are somehow question their place in the world right and she's constantly talking about like uh you know you uh what did she say like your kind you know does this you know to to caleb and stuff like he doesn't even question it like what do you mean my kind he never says anything like that yeah yeah Oh, your world is just well, like mine. It's you know, it's it's just only slightly different when they're I, putting the mask at the party. I'm like, hmm. I think when he's, I think when he's hearing those lines, though, I think he he just assumes that she means like high society versus red, uh, red collar or white collar or blue collar. Excuse me. Mm. Kind of. Th- I, that's the kind of impression I got 
that would that he would I don't think that's what they're saying, but I think that's what Caleb is interpreting as is that these are the rich, hyper rich people. You're just a lowly peasant kind of a thing. That was that was kind of what I what I had kind of thought that that why he was not questioning those things that she was saying. That makes sense. Yeah. So, because I can't, I can't imagine he's gone to any eyes wide shut like parties or anybody that I know ever has. So, <laughs> uh, well, you have the question here: Who's the fifth pearl? Yeah, so I kind of jotted it down. Um, now we have Dolores came out. It would say Pro- Dolores Prime comes out, and we know that's not one of the five. So. You have Martin, you have Hale, and you have Sato. Those are the three uh, we know for sure. And you have Bernard, and that's the fourth. Right, Bernard's the fourth. Mm -hmm. And then we have the fifth ball. So who could be the fifth ball? Now, Bernard also, the way he's programmed, has two entities in him. So I'm thinking it's either Bernard or old-style, old-timey Dolores that we see at the end. Mm. Like, was that real? Yeah. Was that real? Um, William's daughter, I think, was someone else that they brought up as a potential host. And we did see her in the Stinger last year, too. And there's another, the, uh, I like the Emily one. It's not my... Not my favorite crazy one. I'll wait till we get done with talking this little segment before I go into my crazy one. But the uh, the I had a theory about Emily late last season that especially after the stinger that she already was a host. And the other reason of that is right if you remember before before Dolores and Bernard go down the elevator into the shaft and they meet up with MIB, and Dolores says that she she saw Emily's body a mile up the trail. That was my first thought. I was like, oh, she's a host, and she took the ball at that point. Like she was a host already way back then. I don't know if that means any. I mean, I don't. I don't. I'm not for certain it's Emily, but I think that's a good possibility that it could be end up being her. Interesting, or you know, just having the knowledge of Emily from the data that they collected. Yeah, but yeah, you know what though? It wouldn't be her ball, anyways. Well, that that's another question though. Is it is the fifth ball going to be another copy of Dolores, or will it be somebody else? That's why yeah. I, I kind of think it's the Dolores that messed with, with William at the end. Well, and here's my other, my other way out there theory. And I just, I can't, maybe it just, because I can't let go of one of the theories I had last week, even though, <laughs> even though we've pretty much been, been completely shot. I, I think it might be MIB. I think it might be men in black. And that's why she put him in the insane asylum. How do we know that Delos even knows that he's being put there? She says that those people are from Delos, but she later says they're actually not from Delos. They're from a mental institution. You're going there. Do we even know there's a shareholder meeting? She told MIB that. Why would she tell him any of that stuff? Well, to get him out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. But she could have made all that up. I mean, I'm guessing there still is a board meeting, but the whole there, there's no... Why would, she, why would she do that if she has the ability to copy his body and put one of her balls in and then actually have somebody that they think William is actually there? Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, maybe I'm, maybe it, I'm too confused. And the other part of it is that, I mean, in the show telling thing, when you save one for last, wouldn't you save the biggest, the biggest surprise for last? He'd be the biggest surprise, I think. I mean, that's yeah. outside of the story, really. But 
I maybe didn't do a very good job describing it, but I think MIB is a good possibility of the of at least of the body being that that fifth that fifth host still with Dolores in him as well. Interesting. I mean, it could be like the question she asked him at the end might have been similar to what's the square root of negative one. And is that why she did the pinprick thing on his neck? Does, does she need something to in order to complete that? Yeah, that could be true. Th- see, that was weird. That- was it? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, was she? Was it an injection, or was it to take something from him? Yeah, and I watched that a couple times, and honestly, it's really hard to tell because she pricks him, and a drop of blood comes out, and that's really all you see. Yeah, there's but no way to tell what it was. It comes out afterwards after the 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 pin comes out and the pin looked completely dry so unless it like took it like in a small hole in the pin like maybe like a uh you know the diabetes type reader um yeah you know that i don't know and it was it wasn't enough to to like you saw how dolores put put a whole bunch of blood not you know a vial of blood into Mm -hmm. into caleb and it was only 15 minutes worth. So like what good would that do at that point? Yeah. It's gotta be something yeah. different than the tracker thing that was that Caleb had. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's, that's kind of the whole, I don't know. We, we get to the end with William and, you know, he, he actually says, you know, there's this whole thing where is William actually William or is he a host version of his former self? Cause he's like, am I me? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the question. And she says, Oh, well, welcome to the end of the game. And if you look at this from a totally like high level perspective throughout the dawn of time, one of our biggest philosophical questions as humans is, well, who am I? Who am I really? Why am and I here? Why am I here? And and it's kind of the whole thing from the beginning. Have you ever questioned your reality? And it's like sometimes, don't you like sit down? Like, I mean, this happening right now. It's like, am I <laughs> real life or am I in the matrix? Or <laughs> is this real life? Do my decisions? Do I actually have control over my decisions? Is my life predestined? You, I mean, it's like all these questions into this one thing because (laughs) the worlds have been created that some people spend so much time there trying to find their true self that then the lines get blurred. Right. And so, I mean, we we could go on, we could do a whole (laughs) show about this right here. Right. Cause even from the beginning with William, like I finally know who I really am when he leaves Logan there with those, you know, confederates, right? He's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's so good. I've been wanting to do that forever. And it's like the first time I've really felt like I'm me. And like Dolores felt real to him. And Dolores feels real to Caleb right now. And some things in our lives just feel more real than right. others, like from relationships or experiences or whatever. And so it's all this human condition right here. Well, I, <laughs> I was on a podcast uh, this week uh, called the Delvin Cox Experience, and he uh, he was asking me a bunch of questions about different podcasts and things that I've been involved with, and I, I talked about Westworld, and he, he hadn't seen it, so he just kind of asked like what it was about, 
And I said, you know, more, I said, it, it's tough to say without giving things away, but it's, it's a sci-fi show that examines like ethics and morals of machines. And it's basically the same questions we'd be asking ourselves that I think Ford made that evident that how he, how they, you know, he started not, uh, you know, uh, how uh, Arnold started seeking the idea of the consciousness. And like, that would be the similar same questions that we have. And it's just, you know, to me, like that's, where that's what makes this show unique is that it, instead of uh bringing relationships into it it's more about all these moral questions and ethical questions of machinery and us at the same time like if william never went there would he ever have uh, unleashed outside of him like is that even a part of yeah. of, of like the programming like just because he's there now and he can do something you know, would he have ever done that before? And now that he can, his choice was made, and now he is that guy. So it's, you know, comes down to, like, situational, you know, w you know, say say I live, you know, in a, in a hardcore inner city, uh, rough neighborhood, you know, would I be inclined to join a gang, you know, but not living anywhere near gangs, you're never going to have that option. Yeah, it was, somebody touched on it in one of the other shows, the nature versus nurture thing. I mean, that's a lot of that, that whole thing, and that's what's that's a topic I have always found fascinating. So it's, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I think there was one time when uh, somebody asked me what the show was about too, and I think I I had probably had a few drinks at that time because I was being very uh, I don't know snobby because I think I said something to the effect of it's a study of the human condition as told by robots or something along those lines, and and the what it means to be human and as told by robots that are trying to become sentient. I mean, that's, that's an amazing show. It's amazing that one little, one or two little lines in that 30 seconds of the show can create such a discussion. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, and if you notice, like most of the, the quotes and things are, you know, like the lines that we pick out, they're almost questions like, you know, like the choices that they're given. Sirach's saying, you know, you could have your daughter if you do this, you know, you want to be out, like, or you want to get shut down and go back into your cage. Like, it's all, yeah. you know. All metaphorical. Yeah. Or they all could, they all could be metaphorical. Conflicts that they have to figure out. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's really, it's really heavy when you really, yeah. like, you could go down a far rabbit hole, you know, just thinking about the robots answering these questions, let alone, us as humans answering these questions since the dawn of time. Or no matter what you do, does your path always lead you back to where you're supposed to be? Well, like in the beginning, mm -hmm. with Dolores, her path always leads her back to Teddy or William or the place where she shot Arnold. Well, and we're in these loops. I mean, no. that's, we should have like a huge discussion just about this at the end with like all the podcasts. Well, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I'll just quote Buckaroo Banzai and say, wherever you go, there you are. 
<laughs> That's perfect, Tim. That is perfect. <laughs> I think it's actually no matter where you go, there you are, but something like that. But yeah, it's, it's you know, it's. You got a Buckaroo Banzai reference in. That's good enough. It's, it's yeah. one of my favorites lines from, you know, it, it kind of is so vague, but so open yep. at the same time. <laughs> now, we, while we're talking about William, in the his hand, right? He's always wearing gloves in the other in the show. He takes his glo- glove off. He gets his finger shot off. We, you know, we know that, right? So in the opening scene when he's in the house talking to his daughter and shooting the house up, he has all his fingers, no glove on. Then we see him in the black suit getting ready to go to the meeting. The glove is on. He didn't have the gloves on when she was shaving him, but you didn't see his hand at that time. He comes out of the house with the one glove on, right? So you think maybe either to hide the fact that the fingers aren't there or that he's got some kind of prosthetic on and he's covering it. Then when he gets into the institution at the end, he has a big, thick gray glove on. And it, it just makes me wonder, is that to suit the idea of what happened in the park in his brain was it real was the house scene real was he not seeing his hand in his mind when he you know because some of that stuff could be kind of taken as like him really in his psyche seeing his daughter and and asking all those questions to himself and shooting up the house so the confusion almost reminded me of james delos you know in the uh when he was, you know, trying to get programmed daily and they kept running all those cycles on him. And it's, uh-huh. that was very similar to the house scene, but the hand thing like really kind of like confused me. I'm like, why is it there in the opening scene? And then the gloves on, you know, and, and well, it, I, it just, oh, well, oh go, sorry. Finish, yeah, finish no, that box. was it. I just, okay. An, well, answer it. I saw you, I saw you put this in the notes, like, I don't know, half an hour before we went on and I'm sitting next to my big TV in my office. I went back and looked at that beginning scene again. And I think there's two different, two different, when he's talking to his daughter, you can definitely see his hand. I, I had to turn the brightness all the way up, but I think it's still, I think it's still a little bit mangled, but you can definitely see his full hand there. Mm. When you're, when she, he's talking to Hale, I could see a few times where it looked like it was fully bandaged on that hand. Oh, it was. Yeah, right. It was a white bandage. So, so I kind of what I thought, what I, what I'm thinking is that I think they are delusions or I think the, the visions or whatever he's seeing I, or whatever. I think his daughter is definitely a vision. I don't think that's real, but I do think the stuff with Hale is, if that makes it that, I mean, that's just by the way I was watching it there. Cause I, it is very curious. Yeah. You know, but then at the same time, how would Dolores know that she's seeing Hale? Or that, or sorry, excuse me, how would Hale know that she is seeing, that he is seeing Emily? Right. Well, she says, you know, uh, a couple quotes I, I wrote down, you don't even have a choice in your own grief. And then she follows it in the next scene. Is it a relief, William, to know some of your delusions aren't even real? And then she reveals that she's been listening to him the whole time. <laughs> so... Is, is it some kind of program? Like, you know, we see the glasses, how they could show something different, you know, and, and make people see co- kind of programming. Is that, like, embedded in him somehow? Is he, are they, like, playing with that 
Who knows? Maybe he has some kind of eye implant that they don't know about. And is it is is that a host that Dolores has built, just like she built Bernard? Well, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about it now. There's that scene. There's that scene uh, at the end of season two when uh, when they go when Bernard and Dolores go into the computer and to go like when she reads the books and that whole that whole scene with uh, not Logan but the guy the same actor that played Logan and they're walking around the text and they and and the, one of the text things they show in the, in the computer is MIB sitting on a chair. Like he's mentioned something about how some good, some bad, and then they show us you know MIB sitting in the chair like he's been frozen. You guys remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it. It could definitely be. You know, uh, if it is, if we're in a uh, what do you call it uh, a simulation within a simulation, I you know could see possibly, you know, him still being in the quote unquote real world and being simulated in there somehow like it's it's crazy to think like you know maybe he was in you know you know what Dolores saw as his him him real she brought him back out but you know we saw him being catered to so hard by the the staff at the end I mean it's really to a lot of different and ideas at the end William at the end too at the end when he's in the in the institution and old Dolores comes Dolores in the blue dress comes out and then she just disappears. Mm-hmm. She walks into the room, but then when she leaves, it's, it's a shot of the two of them talking and it cuts away for a second and cuts back to him and she's gone. Same as Emily. She doesn't. Yeah. So I don't, I man, it's, I've watched those scenes with him like three or four times. I still can't get a gri- grip on what the hell is going on. <laughs> uh, I, it could, I love it. it. It could be the, the, you know, maybe so kind of hallucinogen on the pinprick. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, w- I was wondering if it was something to, like that uh, scene we saw earlier in the season where they went, where Caleb and Marshawn Lynch went into that club and that guy was naked screaming at the wall and they said he was on some crazy drug. Oh, yeah. That's right. Was, was that the genre drug that they talked about at the party? I, didn't, I, I wondered that too because I, I didn't go back and check, so I'm not yeah. positive, but it would make sense if it was. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. To be continued. Yeah, I mean, it just it's it's hard. There's not much more to really to yeah. say about it because we don't know. So like it's yep. it's it's wild. It added, it definitely that added the I think the more fun questions to the show than we've been asking ourselves the rest of the season. Like as far as who's who and who's who. Like now that that's solved, I I feel like we can get deeper into yeah. the the tough questions. Yeah. That's why this show it improved for me the second watching because the, at the first watching I didn't catch all these initial things that they've set up here that we're talking about now that we've been talking about for quite some time. Yeah. Where now that I've got them, I'm like I've grown to appreciate the episode a heck of a lot more than I originally did. Well, it was just so much, and yeah. like the time you're watching it, it's like you're just being. It is like someone's like shooting a fire hose at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and part, you know, part of it might have been that I, I think I had some, I can't remember what I was doing. I think something with my son. So I didn't get to watch it till like an 1030 central time, which is like two hours after. And I think the group text went crazy at about nine o'clock and there was like 15 text messages in 10 minutes. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be good. So I think maybe, maybe my expectations were so heightened by the time I got to it that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, 
but yeah, either way, it's a great, great episode. So anyways, uh, before you, before you, uh, got on the call, I just said quick to Gina, like after, after on the rewatch, the whole episode slowed down a whole lot more than the, the first time. And, 100%. Yeah. And it, it just, you know, are you able to kind of, and I feel like I enjoyed it a lot better on the second watch, even though I loved it on the first watch, just because of the, the shock value and the entertainment and the, you know, just the, the fast pacedness. It felt like a movie, you know, like mm-hmm. just jam packed into an hour. Yep. Yeah. So, um, do we feel content with all of our William discussion for the time being? Yeah. We'll just keep talking ourselves into the circles. If we stay on what MIB <laughs> into the maze. Yeah. So, so speaking of the episode slowing down when you went back and watched it, there was something I noticed when we were with Stubbs and Bernard in uh, Victorville. Is that what it is? Victorville? Yep. Victorville, yep. So I feel like we've discussed in the past and in the original movie Westworld, like we know there are different parks. We've got the Raj, we've got shogun world we maybe have war world but there's also a world supposedly called future world that was that's, a, that's uh, actually in, that's actually in the second movie the sequel oh the second yep. movie okay yep i've so, never seen the second one but i have seen the first one and fe- I, I went and looked it up after i saw it. future world is in the second one okay i haven't i haven't seen either of the movies but i just know that there's a future world somewhere mm-hmm. and so i'm wondering so far, we haven't seen Future World, at least as far as we know. So you see these rockets, spaceships kind of taking off, landing. People are watching them come and go. Um, and I kind of wonder, to Future World, is there is there a park in space is kind of what I was wondering. But then I'm like, or are they coming in from Earth to Future World? Are we in future world? Because the only reason that makes me think this, well, at least one of the big reasons, is when you look at these ships taking on and off, there's a moon in the background, kind of a half moon, but it doesn't look like our moon from Earth. It looks like something completely different. The size is off. You never see a half moon, horizontal half moon. We always kind of see more of a vertical one. And I was just like, are we even on earth at this point? Like, is this just a bigger park that they've escaped into? From we also know that there was a, there was a major nuclear attack. And if Paris got nuked, it's probably not the only nuke that was dropped. Yeah. Knocked the solar so, axis. Well, no, <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe there was, I mean, if we're going super crazy wild theories, maybe earth isn't habitable anymore. I mean, who knows? You could really go crazy with those kind of theories, I think. But yeah, I, it does. It wouldn't surprise me that it, it would be future world, or that it's coming from Earth to there, or leaving Earth, or yeah, I don't. If, yeah, it, sorry. It, <laughs> if it is future world, would explain the simulation within the simulation type of thing, and it would also make the sky sort of a backdrop that could have just been written. Like it doesn't have to be real. That what's up there that just might be you know, how Ford drew the landscape in, in Westworld, you know, there could have been someone drawing the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. That's yeah. That, that really threw me for the rockets. Really threw me for a loop. <laughs> <laughs> Along with everything else, they just threw that little that little note in there. Yeah, <laughs> just really mess with us. It's just something to kind of consider because you know, I mean, they have to have more seasons. It's like maybe I, I think I've already heard that there's probably going to be a fourth season. So I was just like, is this, you know, it's all, is this real life? Is this even the world? And then you get on and maybe. And it reminded me a lot of when last season, when there was that brief, brief scene of, uh, Ar it was, I can't remember if it was Arnold or if it was Bernard showing Dolores, the city for just a few seconds that they showed that where they kind of teased that they were going to be going there this season. Yeah. It definitely made me think of that. So I'd, I, I would, I can't imagine they would do space stuff this season, but I think if it continues, I'd be surprised if there, if it wasn't space, future world, one of the two. Yeah. Is this like the real life? Is it reality? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I had a couple other questions here, but I think they're just kind of like, I think, I think they're kind of lame. Like, you know, what is a project in sector 16? I was thinking that's the live forever project that we initially saw Delos trying to replicate with William. Well, it's either that or it's the, it's, I thought it might be the taking of the host data or not the host, the visitor, the guest data. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. That's yeah. That's what I thought. Cause that would, that's the, the bread and butter basically of the, of their investment. idea. And it, that's why yeah, they wanted to do it. They had said that they don't want anybody to catch it because they'll get in big. I think somebody said they'd get in big trouble if they ever found out they were. Yeah. If anybody right. ever found out that's what was going on. Right. So Rock yeah. said that was they were doing it before the the data uh, data laws were passed or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe Caleb okay. said it, something like that. And that actually, that whole part, that actually leads to an, go back to William for one brief second. How he knows that that data was deleted. That he says to Hale, how the heck would he know that? <laughs> he, he sure as hell wasn't well, there when it was deleted. Um, did he get there right after it was deleted, though, when Dolores shot his hand? No, because that was Dolores and Bernard were down in the basement and she deleted it with just those two. And then the next time we see William, we see him on the beach and oh. then we see the singer. Mm, yeah. So I mean that's just another another question that the, yeah. that, that whole William stuff just doesn't quite make sense, but yeah. And then the other thing Charbot mentions um, to William that there's a deep pockets investor that they're courting, and I just figured that's Dolores with Liam's money. That's the same thing I thought. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, the, how much was it again, Tim? Five hundred uh, trillion. It was a lot. Fifty-three billion, something, something. Yeah. Just a little bit of money. It's like our national debt. Uh, like Axel's budget for the DPR podcast network. <laughs> um. Well, okay. Anything else to discuss, or should we wrap up with who we think won the week and MVP and all that jazz? Let's well, do it. Yeah, I, I I hit all my topics. Okay, cool. Well, I think that Dolores won the week. All four of her. <laughs> it's hard, hard to argue. I mean, she dominated everything. Yeah, I mean, I I wanted to not say Dolores, but I I think I got it. Like it's it's it was Dolores is running the show. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, for MVP, I picked Maeve. Cause I think she's, she's like a, another good solid runner up. Like she's, she had good aha moments and putting things together. So she was my MVP. Well, for my, my MVP, P, my, I had the runner up for the second week in a row for me was Stubbs just because he can open the beer can with one hand, which is <laughs> amazing. And, uh, but for my, my MVP of the week, I kind of see uh, uh, as the winning the week at Dolores, I kind of see as the head coach and Caleb was the MVP. Like he's the best player on her team because I mean, he took a blood injection from her. No questions asked. He went into this high profile place and put his butt on the line by putting his, putting his thumb on the thing. She couldn't have done any of that stuff without him. So Caleb is my MVP. That's, I like that's a good call. Excellent. Yeah, I picked Dolores just because of the reveal and, and now it just makes so much more sense of the motives for everyone. Yeah. And there are four of her, so she could technically be both <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dolores. Yep. She's got a lot more entries in the lottery than we than anybody else does. <laughs> that's she's so selfish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Another great week of the cleanup techs. Thank you all for joining. And we will be back next week with, I'm sure, a lot more to talk about. Um, might be hard to talk this week, but we will be back to clean up season three, episode five next week. See you then. Say howdy to your moms with me. Ugh. <laughs>